I think he has wheels. Genuinely, I don't think. Oh, know. wow. Really? No, no, he doesn't have wheels. He has tracks. I'm like a tank. Even that's too quick. No, the Rodri, track... Tanks Rodri aren't looks quick. Like a, like a guilty child who's opened his Christmas presents early. Yeah, honestly, he, did, he looks... He even looks like he just got away with one. That's what I can't believe. I've got a my my proposal for VAR is instead of having an assistant VAR person, we just have another person who's got a camera just on the players' faces when they do these incidents, and then we award the penalty based on how guilty they look. Because ninety ninety percent of the time, the players are like. Anyway, he he knew that that was a that was a handball. Of course he did. Naughty minx. I didn't want that. <laughs> um, hello and welcome back to the Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is sports media's number one. Number one. Joel Linton, Talisa, and Alexandra Burke, super fan. It's Mr. Mike <laughs> Breslin. Hello, everybody. What a week it's been. <laughs> what a week it's been but we will come on to that underneath him on the computer screen at least is the one the only making his return to the pod he is the mosley marauder the car crasher himself mr david <laughs> harris <laughs> hello i couldn't remember what the nickname is so i just went for a random one it's carmichael harris david yeah. Carmichael harris. yeah okay yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Um, and to his left, um, back on the pod again. Back on pod again. Back Hello. on pod again, the new regular, Mr. Pod Ross. Hello. We've got to find it. We've got to find something to insult you about. I've also. No, no, I'm not sure we do. But I've also, <laughs> I've also got to raise a key point to Mike and Dave here, early doors. Um. As you know, the In and Around pod is famous for two things. Number one is its takes on Azerbaijan football, of which we are the number one podcast in Azerbaijan. I have it on good authority. And the second is that we are firmly an anti-Arsenal podcast. Lads, do you feel like that reputation is going to be in any way damaged by having an Arsenal um, supporting co-host? Or do you think, if anything, our hate's going to be amplified when he is... They're trying to be sensible about Arsenal. That's definitely going to wind me up. <laughs> well, that's that, man. <laughs> there we go. Although yeah. it does it does continue to make us totally anti-Spurs, so that's good. It does, it does. It does. We're really leaning into that. But I, I don't feel like we've anti, anti-Arsenal podcast worked because it bit of bit of bit of, you know, anti-Arsenal. There's something to that. We've got to think of a way to say that we're anti-Spurs. We can just be anti-United as well. We're sort of leading heavily into that anyway. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> leading heavily. I think that's been since like week one of this podcast. We look equal opportunity haters. That's what I'd like to say. Um, speaking of hating things, segue. Um, <laughs> that I always feel. Like, I mean, Dave hasn't got his camera on, but I always feel like wherever we do these intros, Dave is just sat there sort of like, where the fuck is this going? And he's always sort of like terrified. Um, yeah, pretty much, actually. He's pretty, pretty accurate. <laughs> oh, are you all right, Dave? We haven't seen you for like, I don't know, like four months. How are you doing? You okay? It's a strange way of saying Friday and it might say <laughs> Yeah, but Dave, what you understand is to, to the viewers, you, Chris, and them outside of this podcast, there is there is no... There is no engagement between the, the four of us on this podcast. So how have you been doing since we last saw you on the podcast? Yeah, fine. Just uh, four months older than I was last time I appeared. Yeah, four months older. There's a joke there. There's a joke there. We'll move on, though. And He's Dave... a wider. <laughs> what did he say? Wider, that's what he said, yeah. No, he didn't. You did not say, oh, why? <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, yes. I'll, I'll jump off and I'll, I'll cry and get away and watch this subscription. What I was going to say is I'm sure there's I'm sure there's plenty of drivers who wish. Maybe we could get a uh, sponsorship with Slimming World. Maybe we could. But that would that would be contradict our uh, Cafe Rouge sponsorship. So. Mm. Yeah, so, good yeah. point. 
It really would. Um, before we get underway, we're talking about important football teams. Um, Dave, obviously Blues this weekend decided uh, that they were going to be called the Small Heath Alliance for a weekend. I want you to talk me through how that made you feel seeing that. Uh, embarrassed. Really. Why? Really. Oh, you're embracing your you're embracing your roots because no other team in the entire bloody world let alone the uk changes their name for some tv promo the only thing that i'm remotely clutching at straws about is at least peaky blind is a good show <laughs> it's not like we fucking dropped ourselves for big band theory is it but at the end of the day what tim pot behavior can't believe it what what they need to do is get the lower tiers of the ground open instead of renaming themselves, for God's sake. Well, the rate we're going, Mike, Jukkowicz tends to be just because he's bloody worn the shirt a few more times. To, oh, to be honest, I, I was watching it. I was thinking, I know that obviously there's the um, there's a historical connection with the Peaky Blinders, but if you were going to relate blues to a current TV show, I thought it'd be Can't Pay, we'd take it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably. Bargain hunt, something like that. <laughs> oh, look at it looking at the way they're insulating the stands with all that dodgy stuff, cash in the attic. So I don't know. D O I S O S. sorry. Um but the reason I I bring this up, Dave, is I wanted your live reaction to um the tweet from the Huddersfield Town account, which oh. referred to Blues as not the Peaky Blinders, but the Leaky Blinders after they lost 2-0. <laughs> I mean, fences are a disgrace. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know. I mean, there's been many a question about the donors, but to put it into context, we had four centre-backs going into the January window. We loaned one out and left ourselves with three, and now all of them are injured. Well, actually, we went in with five. Sanderson got recalled by Wolves, only from to loan him to QPR. So, cheers for that, Wolves. Harley Dean got loaned out, and he's an idiot. The most disgraceful <laughs> club captain there's ever been. He's scored and shushed his own fans because we give him shit. Like, who does that? Jacker. Then, then we were left with three at centre-back, and all three of them are injured. We were playing a right-back at centre-back at the weekend. He got injured. Craig, Gary Garner has been playing right-back. Jordan Graham, who I don't even trust at left or right wing, has been playing at full-back. Honestly, just relegated. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> They're just a disgrace. <laughs> Tell me Gardner's not still at the Blues. All I'm saying is... Was I'm that Gary Gardner? Gary. I'm amazed Neil Etheridge got COVID because he can't catch anything else. <laughs> he was in hospital, but he can't catch anything. Wait, wait, wait. He went into hospital with COVID and you've just digged him out for not being able to catch anything. That is incredible. What? Play for 90 minutes, Will, and you'll be on the same side. Excellent. Excellent. No one's watched a Blues game for 90 minutes this season. No, I don't think anyone wants to be there. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, right. <laughs> Not quite sure how to segue this into our main I topic. I realised I was saying that. I was like, that's really mean. <laughs> <laughs> What's really great is, again, we can't see your face, but we can hear the regret in your in your voice as well, which is really nice. Um, we've, we have actually got plenty to talk about this week, so let's let's... Let's get a shifty on. Um, let's start with, I say the big news of the week, the big one of the big sports news of the week. Um, Marcelo Bielsa's left Leeds. Mm. Um, uh, Jesse Marsh is now in. Uh, <laughs> okay, should we do a quick fire round of just going round and in one word? Yeah. Is this a good decision or not? No. Uh, let's, Dave. Let's start with you then. You said one word, and my one word is no. Oh, that was a couple of words, but there we are. Um, Ross? Uh, no. Mike? Clean sweep. You think it was a bad decision? Yes. That makes four of us. <laughs> okay. Um, I wants... can play the other side if required, but no, I really don't sides, like it. But... Uh, I don't think you can play both sides with this one. That's how bad a decision I think it is. But there you are. Um, who wants to talk? Who wants to give me their reasons why? Who wants to go first? Who's putting oh. their? Uh... I'll go. Oh, here we go. 
God, he's had a long sleep and he's ready. He's had his pasta. Pretty much, well. Uh, I've been critical about Leeds for them conceding. However, no one can get away from the fact that they've had so many injuries. And despite having so many injuries, they've actually not been in the relegation zone once. Like I, I know Leeds obviously off the back of last season were hoping that maybe they could secure top 10 or whatever. But at the end of the day, he's hardly had any players to pick. He's had to be playing, you know, youngsters at points in Premier League games or people like Adam Forshaw in midfield. He's like championship level. And they were still above the relegation. It's, you know, a couple of wins, which you know they have under Bielsa when more players are fit. That would lift them right out of trouble. And to abandon that, I mean, all the players' reaction on social media, I mean... How many Leeds players, when they're in the championship, thought they'd ever be managed by a manager as credited as Bielsa, and he's gone? I mean, yeah, I think it's a pretty poor decision. I think even though they have been conceding a lot of goals, if you contextualise it, there's a lot more about it than the results. So I think it's just a poor decision. Bit of a knee-jerk reaction, really, I think. Yeah, I mean... I, I said to Will after I watched the uh, Spurs game, you never hear it on the broadcast, but they've been without their best centre-back and captain. They've been without their best central midfielder, who's also one of England's best central midfielders. And their best and pretty much only striker, really, in Bamford, who I know we're all a big fan of over here. Yeah. You, you take them away from any team in the league. Like, look what happened to Liverpool without Van Dijk. And they were talking about that, I think Will said to me, every every game that they're in, they mentioned how they don't have Van Dyke, and that's why they're struggling. But they never say it in the Leeds games. Um, they're talking about their bad defence and stuff, and the amount of different combinations of players you've seen back there. And Dan James is playing up front for them uh, at the moment. And uh, the bench is full of youngsters pretty much every week. Um, how anyone, as Dave said, never even been in the relegation zone. So. Um, it's because Bielsa's obviously was never going to change the way he played, but that was not going to work without the players that they had, that were they were without. So, yeah. What's changed this year? I mean, because you look at them and recently they've been get they got tonked by United, they got tonked by Tottenham, they got tonked, they got too. absolutely hammered by Liverpool. I mean, they lost to Everton, played out a very entertaining one versus Villa, lost to Newcastle, and then. Um, but they've also beat Burnley and West Ham since the turn of the year. So there's been a few in there where they've, given that the injuries, they've done well. I mean, I don't know what you think, Mike. Why do you think they've made the change now? Why do you think they've made the decision? How much do you think this was a Leeds decision or was, has Bielsa walked? It's a bit hard to know. It is hard to know. It sounds like it, sounds like it was the owner's decision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I'm uh, I'm still a bit shocked to be honest. I, I don't really. Yeah. I it, I hate that in foot in football it, the cost of relegation is so high that this guy gets sacked. For, and well, as the lads have already said, they haven't even been in the relegation zone. They may well not have got relegated with some of these players coming back. Hopefully, um, but Leeds as well. They've pretty much played every game through the period where all the fixtures are getting cancelled while they had yep. less than a lot of other teams, I would think, um, because their injuries were piling up. They played. And the other thing about this, he's not going to change the way that he plays. That, But that's what you hired him for. That's, exa- mm-hmm. that's exactly what you hired him to do. That's what you loved him for for the last three years. And then he continues to do it with less good players because half his team's injured and because you've had, yes, an extended period of bad results. I don't think there's there's many fan, Leeds fans out there who would who would back this decision. I don't know who the new guy is at all, but Bielsa seem, seems to have been properly invested in the city, the club, the people, the whole the whole thing. He's been living away from his family for the last four years. Um, and I don't know if you, I, not every football manager does things like this, but some young lad asked for like him to sign something, sent him something to sign. So he signed it and then asked the, the kid to send him something that he'd signed. 
this is not like a guy who was just there because it's another job like a lot of the other football managers was he was properly invested in the area and I just think it's rubbish that a couple of bad results and because some money that it, this guy loses his job but even if they had gone down he'd have probably brought them back up yeah I agree it's, Sorry, it's, I probably went round in circles there. I'm just no, no, no it's, it's <laughs> fine. Do you know? Do you know? It strikes me of when I heard the news. I thought it reminded me quite a bit of Wilder. Yeah. Just in the Wilder connection with the fan base brings Sheffield United up after a few few years, really in the the doldrums. Overachieves in the first season. Let's be honest. I mean, it was an overachievement for Leeds last year based on the quality of their squad. Second season injuries to key players, and they just can't get the form but the difference is Sheffield United were were adrift and they were done I mean they still shouldn't have sacked him but they were done this they're still in with in with the shot and I mean you look at their upcoming games and you've got we've got Leicester you've got Villa who are not playing particularly well you've got Norwich Wolves Southampton Watford before you go to Chelsea in April so it's a winnable set of fixtures which is why they've done it because it, it gives the chance new manager to have a bounce but it does feel that it does feel odd it does feel like it feels worse than your average manager sacking. I mean, when, for example, when Watford sack their manager and you've got no connection with him, it doesn't feel bad. When you've got someone with Marcelo Bielsa who so clearly loves Leeds and Leeds is the longest he's ever been at club and, he, and Leeds have taken on from him, it just seems a bit daft. I mean, Dave, you can talk to this because you watch more of the championship, but you listen to the way a lot of the, the championship commentators, particularly the not like the not the top 20 guys, they eulogise about Bielsa's football and they eulogise about the impact he had on that team that would struggle to get up. It just feels, I hesitate to use the word betrayal, but it does feel a bit like that for a man like this. Yeah, I mean, Leeds have been famously failing to get to the Premier League for ages. Bottling playoffs left, right, and centre, doing great in the league, and like people were saying, and Karen Carney, I think wrongfully got slated for. They used to burn out; they never used to get it over the line. Bielsa got them up, and then had them playing great football. When the players were all fit, they did very well in their first season. And yeah, injuries have gone bad; they've had a few bad results, but they're still. It's not like they're in Norwich's position; they're still above the relegation. And let's be honest, yep. Leeds haven't been good, but there's comfortably four or five teams worse than them this year. So they'd really have to totally mess up to, to go down because you'd back them to get more results than Norwich or Watford, probably Burnley, even Everton, to be honest, you'd back Leeds to get, but, to get more. But I, I don't know about the rest of you, and I asked this question. Is the reason you'd back leads to get up because of the way they play because when you look at this when you look at the comparative squads on paper between them and a Norwich and them and a, a Watford and them and a oh, Burnley and that lot those teams that seem to have less talent it feels like that for them but it always felt like those tactics the way Bielsa plays the way the weirdness the way it's all out attack we're going to go and win this game always gave them an edge that's how it felt to me at least yeah, he, he essentially turned a bottom half squad into a easily the best team in the championship. And then they came up and did the same thing when they came up. I think, yeah, as I was saying earlier, this is what this is the system that you hired him to play. And he, he was never, ever going to change it. And you would probably, if the players came back, I think you'd back, back them to get some results. Mm-hmm. And they could, they could, realistically, they could beat anyone on their day if they have the... Mm-hmm. They had the right team there. Yep. Um, I mean, so could Burnley, but it's Burnley are just way weird. But <laughs> there's quite a few. Every, anyone, but quite a few similar. Quite a few similarities with Burnley because they also get tonked by the big teams. But what I want to ask is, Ross, do you think the the nature of some of the losses to the big teams has affected him? Because last year he got battered by some of the big teams regardless so it does feel a bit weird that this year with all the context that off the back of three hammerings he he gets the sack yeah um yeah as you say the way they play means that when you come up against a city or liverpool and they're on their game you're just going to get pummeled 
on occasion, as as has happened. I mean, they lost 3-0 to Everton as well, which is one. Frank Tough. Lampard's Everton, please. Yeah, well, they'll be in the Championship next year. Um, it, yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, I just, I don't know why. I mean, as you said, this happened last year when they were much healthier. So what are people expecting with the players that they've got out there at the moment? Because I mean, you lost 4-0 to Spurs, which was, yeah, obviously terrible. I lost 4-2 to Man U. In the game where they played all right for stretches as well. And I thought when it was 2-2, they might get something out of it. But uh, yeah, 6-0 against Liverpool, 3-0 against Everton. They um, conceded 40 in their last 12 league games. Yeah. I, will, I will say, and I won't accuse the players of not playing for him. I won't accuse them of that because I don't think that's the case. No. I mean, you watched, you watched the Spurs game at the weekend and... It wasn't a lack of effort, it didn't feel like. It felt like a lack of quality. And some of it is in the defending. But when you play in a a man-marking system like that, those hits of quality are felt. When you don't have Calvin Phillips, probably your best player, patrolling that little section in front of the defence, it's going to feel worse. When you don't have have Bamford taking your chances, it's going to feel worse. And I mean, at the weekend, you watch them and you, you watch them and you were like... Yeah, this is this is poor. But at the same time, Kane and Son are two of the most deadly attackers in the league. So they're going to do this to championship players. Yeah, I was um, going to say, you're looking at this team and it wouldn't feel out of place playing against Blues. No. You look at that 11 and you wouldn't be surprised if they were playing against Blues next week. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good about themselves if they were. <laughs> of course they'd be winning if they were playing against Blues. That's beside Well, yeah, that- They'd still I mean, win that game, but <laughs> the lineup they they played at the weekend. You take Rafinha out of that, and that is a yeah, and you're real pretty much championship squad. Oh, I do like Melier, to be fair, the keeper. But... Yeah, he's good. I think. Well, it, it's interesting. Like, I think there's Bielsa has an obsession with players. He does have that. I mean, we know he's had this obsession with Dan James, and whether or not thirty million on Dan James was the right move is a different matter. But it was. The fact that the fact that Dan James is playing up front for you reflects how dire both the squad and the managerial methods are. But I will reflect that a few years ago we sat here on this podcast before they were even up and we asked how good they could they be. And we, we put them in the context of could they come up and do a Wolves where they're instantly really good in the Premier League and they're they're touching those upper echelons of could we challenge for a Europa League place, which would be a conference league now? They didn't achieve that, obviously, but they were really entertaining and they looked like an established Premier League side. And it's just in that context and the way that the way that it's been reported that Leeds have instructed that all of their lower age groups were going to be coached like Bielsa, they were going to play like Bielsa's sides, the way he was infused with that he took some of those coaching sessions it just feels very short term to remove all the context and make what is a massive decision based on this like we've we've relegation is bad you lose all that money in fact it can crush some clubs but like we've seen if you're built in a sustainable way you can survive that and even come back stronger so it just feels it feels very short term to me the Leeds fans aren't going anywhere. No. And if and if Bielsa stuck around, he's probably bringing them back up, like I said earlier. So, and and then you can add again. I don't know. I, I yeah. I mean, you're talking about top down. They're they're playing like he wants to play. And now what what are they doing? Playing like Jesse Mash, whatever the hell his name is. That's, that's what we're calling yeah. Jesse Mash. Jesse Mash yeah. potato. Mash. Um. What? So what I wanted to ask you is just from a like for those I, I read a profile of Jesse March earlier because my only memory of Jesse March is when he got absolutely tonked in the Champions League this year because leads way. and Ross was talking to me before and he said he, he'd done well in the Austrian Bundesliga or whatever but I, and I will repeat this point if I don't respect the German Bundesliga and some of the defending I've seen there I'm certainly not respecting some of the defending that's in the Austrian Bundesliga there you go irrespective of how well they play against Liverpool in group stage matches. Um, but that said, he's famous for playing a pressing style, but not similar to Bielsa's. And what you're asking these players to do 
is to completely unlearn something that's been at the core of their belief for three years and switch to a new style of pressing and a new way of playing. And it just feels weird. Like, why would you do that if you're trying to stay up? Why would you why would you try and have a massive tactical shift in the middle of the season? Because very few I know that we've seen it occasionally in the last couple of years that someone comes in mid season and makes this team drastically better, but it's very rare. The thing is, well, do you worry, sorry, mate, so that some of these yeah, players who were so good under Bielsa, maybe because of the system, mm-hmm. they start trying to play a different way. Players like Ailing or whatever have been pretty yeah. good, start to look horrible. I mean, I don't know. It's just that's what I start thinking straight away. Um, did the system make some of these players look better than maybe they were? It was something he did, and it could well have been the system. I, I mean, they really were. Calvin Phillips, for example, was barely getting into the championship team. Yeah. I think back in the day. And then he's obviously yeah. now an established England midfielder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the first choices, isn't he? To be fair. Yeah. And he's a real player. Yeah, he's, he's really fit. good. Yeah, I think he's class. Yeah. But yeah. Really, really good player. Yeah. I'd... And you could well put that down to the system. I, I don't know too much about this guy. I do find it funny that regardless of how you do him in the Red Bull system, you're going to get a job somewhere. Yeah. Someone wants to play. He was Radnick's assistant. Well, well, it went really. It did not go well for him at Leipzig <laughs> earlier this season. No, and didn't. admittedly, tough person to follow in Nagelsmann, but it it really didn't go well for him. Um, and they moved on, and that's not a good sign. And it and and yeah, he's probably a name, but is he better than what you had? And is it the right time to make this change anyway? I mean, if you if you said to me, Bielsa was going, we're going to let go in the summer because we want to move on, I'd still be like, that's probably not a wise decision, but at least you've got a training camp in which to imprint your new methods. Now you've got to go, now you've got to go out and you've got to perform straight away because, I mean, Leicester are a good side usually, but they're beatable right now. Villa and Norwich and Wolves and Southampton and Watford, they're not big, big names. There's some good teams in there that are going to be difficult, but you'd fancy your chances of getting a collection of points from that group of fixtures. And to to just to sack Bielsa at this point and replace him with what is an unknown quantity might prove a masterstroke, but for me, I find it very difficult to think that it will be a masterstroke. Yeah, agreed. I'm thoroughly disappointed in it. I mean, his yeah, success was in the Austrian Bundesliga. Yeah, that's that's pretty. Really <laughs> is do your Red Bulls and Red Bulls. <laughs> he is desperate. Desperate. And he had five months in the Bundesliga, and that was it. How long before he's called Ted Lasso? How, how, how uh, I almost did it earlier. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. I was going to lead with that, but uh, I decided not to. Yeah, he's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Roy Kent. There you are. Banging show if you haven't seen it. Great, great, great show. show. Um, and Ted Lasso, the hor- horrible tactician. So if that's anything, <laughs> into, that's going to be interesting. Um, this food. What's your? What's the worst man? What's the worst managerial sacking that you can remember? What's the one that made you feel the most deflated? Because I know what mine is. I mean, Chris Wilder's up there, not a lie. There was that one, but I think Ranieri. Yeah, it's that one. I was yeah. thinking. Mm, yeah, how about that one? On the Ranieri's. I think, I think Bielsa, uh, Wilder, and, and Ranieri's probably the top three for me. Yeah. Ranieri. That I can think of right Ranieri's now. Ranieri's yeah. particularly scummy. I mean, that's just horror. You let the man take you down if that's what he's going to do. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I think you do, yeah. Um, But. It's just weird that, from a Lee's perspective, what's the future planning now? Are they are they just thinking to themselves we're in a relegation battle every season, or because the Marsh appointment of a of a progressive manager makes you seem to think that they're going to keep trying to play an attractive brand of football, a la Bielsa, just with subtle differences. But well, that's interesting yeah. because because what is it that do they want then? I, that's what I don't get. Because what I'd argue is if you're looking for someone who plays an attractive brand of football that's got cachet with that dressing room, you had it. Bielsa is it. If you want cachet, with, I mean, I, I, it's really difficult to talk about him without talking about how in how much he was a hero to that community and that football club. Yeah, worshipped. 
basically. Some of the stories you read about him and the way he like didn't he didn't he appear in didn't he go to um wasn't one of the players having a problem in wife having a problem in the hospital or something? Liam Cooper. Liam yeah, Cooper. The, uh, the childbirth didn't go quite to plan, I don't think, and he stayed the night with him. That's yeah. that's yeah. worth its weight in gold. Yeah. And just the fact that like there are the fact the one I keep going back to is the fact that he he took a coaching session for the under tens. There are That's there correct, are there are Chelsea managers, and if you in the way Cobham set up, the manager's office overlooks the training pitches, and there were Chelsea matches. There were there was an under 18s match, and there was a very famous Italian manager who might still have a job in the league who wouldn't even leave his office to go and look at the players players that could have been of use to him and that's and then you've got Bielsa over here who's so ingrained and wants to just teach people football it just feels it feels like more than a managerial sacking it feels like Leeds have lost a bit of something special that they had since they'd been back in the league and I think all the fans feel exactly that way about mm. it I, I assume I don't know but I assume it's quite an unpopular decision despite the results because I guess it's what do you actually want out of your football team and it I'd argue that I'd much rather my football teams play like Leeds do than, I don't know, for example, Burnley, I guess, is the obvious one, isn't it? But not necessarily, because they're quite funny. <laughs> yeah. I think you'd think you'd rather have um, your football team play like Leeds rather than post 300 pictures of Cristiano Ronaldo throughout the day. Yeah, I actually you know, would so. much rather that. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, um, yeah, tough one, that. Really tough. Um Speaking of tough decisions, that is a fucking segue. That is bang, go on, son. And, but we need to have a bit of levity before we move on to the next one, so we'll just throw that segue in a bit. Mike, give me... Yeah, we need a bit of positivity. For the third we? time ever, it's a special Joel Linton report this week. The Brazilian bad boy. Oh, oh, God. He's done it. He has done it. Beautiful goal. Um, okay, let's... <laughs> But yeah, uh, away at Brentford. Is it J7 now? I think that's his number. J7, mate, that's the one. Yeah, I believe so. Um, he's getting towards the goal target that we need. Does he? Need, I think he needs three five, more. He needs and five. All three together. more. And, uh, and Newcastle to stay up, which is fantastic. But it was a bullet header, to be fair, from the boy. Bit of a cult hero up there. So what a great time to be alive. The third time ever we get to say that he scored a goal for Hold Newcastle. On. This can't be his just third goal for Newcastle ever. I think it's third league goal. I think I think it might be third league goal. Yeah. I think he scored more. Um, Grab some. He scored more. He goals scored a couple in the in the, but, in the cup. In the cup. But they're irrelevant, aren't they? So I need three more league goals. That's what I need. I'm backing um, him to do it. I think he'll do it. I think I think he can I go on a little run now. Staying up, so. Well, that part I think is definitely happening. You heard it here first. Um, but yeah, hopefully part two can come in because that seemed like quite the wild prediction, didn't it, at the time? If that comes off, I'm going to be <laughs> furious. Absolutely furious after he's been shit for so long. <laughs> oh, okay, God. he's actually got eight goals across his uh, across his Premier League career. Mortal player. Too bad. And five assists. I mean, that is terrible, isn't it? But here we go. But is it terrible for a central midfielder? Not too bad. It's a good point. I'd argue, box, yeah. Box. Yeah. Not really. Yeah, it, it's not good. No way. Two goals in a season for a box-to-box midfielder. That's solid. I'll take it. Okay. How many's Thomas Party got? Uh, zero. Mike. What's the what's the shots per goal ratio from Thomas Party? <laughs> the Arsenal fans screaming shoot when he's like <laughs> when he can see the goal. Uh, <laughs> he is without You've doubt respect the first it. volume long range shooter in Premier League history. Okay. All right, lads. I'm really jump off to sort something out for work. Apologies, boss messaged me about five minutes ago. His long awaited return. He's, cut short. Cut short. Cut short. he's tweaked his injury. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. See you no later. Worries. See you right. See he's about there. to get somber. He's about to get fucking somber, let me tell you. Right. Now Dave's gone. We can all <laughs> laugh about how hilarious it is about the small Heath Lions. 
<laughs> got absolutely pumped at the weekend in there. Oh, man. Imagine losing to Huddersfield Town at home when you've changed your name for that week. That is tragic. Um, okay. Um, this segment, I say segment, this part of the podcast is hilariously titled VAR. What is it good for? <laughs> <laughs> couple of VAR decisions this weekend that were really interesting. Um, I had the experience of being at the, uh, the Carabao Cup final. Uh, of which there was plenty of VAR involved, including four chalked off goals, which was hilarious because every single one of them was celebrated. And that's always a weird experience inside. But I think the most egregious VAR decision of the weekend was happening in the Everton City game. Um, I didn't watch this game. I have seen the incident. Ross, you watched it live. Do you want to mm-hmm. talk to me about it and, and the game in general? Um, yeah, well, I thought Everton were really good in the first half. Um they played really well. They uh, contained City. Um, and I think a point would have been well-deserved, given how they've been playing as well. Um, I was really impressed with them. Um, and City sort of scrambled one in, um, thanks to some work from Michael Keane. Um, really? Bouncing up one of his wheels, I think. Um, <laughs> and uh, then... Um, Everton had a, a shout for a stonewall penalty. It's, I mean, it's a stonewall as it gets. The ball bounces up and hits Rodri um, in his upper arm, just below the uh, the T-shirt line. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those where you watch it and the commentators and you're just thinking, well, that's just a penalty. They're just going to look just at it quickly and give it. And they're just looking at it and looking at it. And they don't even send um, the referee. I forget who was the ref in that game. Um but they, they don't even send him to look Paul at the Tierney, monitor. wasn't it? And it was the VAR guy was... Chris um, Kavanagh. Chris Kavanagh, that was it. Yeah, that was it. They don't even send him to look at it, which I don't understand at all to, to start with. And uh, it was one for me where VAR should just literally look at it, tell him it's a handball. He doesn't need to look at it. It's so obvious. But it doesn't mm-hmm. even tell him to look at the screen. And it wasn't given. And I, for the life of me, I can't understand... Why? I think there is some confusion about whether it was offside. It was an offside. Premier League. Premier League said it was an offside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can't explain like the what the way VAR was used with it, and then why it wasn't given. Um, I, I, Frank Lampard I, rightfully furious. The king. Yeah. He's got to be hit with a fine and. Just fair play because it was egregious. It really was. Ladies and gentlemen, obviously it's not a video podcast, but one of the great joys is when someone's dis- someone's explaining something or talking about a tweet or talking about something, and you can just see Mike Bryson in the background <laughs> beginning to fume, and the steam starts to come off his ears. And as more as Ross has explained this, he's got more and more agitated. So I'm going to let him hop in now and give you his thoughts on this former referee, Mike Breslin. It's just a pen. <laughs> I can't believe it. There was two there was two absolute disgraceful decisions. One of them was not in football on Saturday. One of them was mm-hmm. in the boxing. Jack Catterall robbed if yep. anyone watched that fight. But the VAR Ross is right. I don't understand how it was applied. I I don't understand I mean, yeah, you don't even need to send the rest of the to the monitor. Exactly. It's just a pen. Yeah. Yeah. And even if and how do you decide, even if you haven't decided it's a pen, how do you decide not to send the ref to the monitor then? Yep. I'd, it's, I, I, I don't know what we're doing with VAR anymore. Mm. I, I said to scrap it months ago and I'm, I'm still on the train. This is... But, and the reason I go to, I go to this is, um, you got the good side of VAR, you got in, you got in parts in the in the cup final. In that, it started, it chalked off four goals, all of them for offside, all of them. Well, at least two of the Chelsea ones and one of the Liverpool ones would have been given if not for VAR. So I mean, it it helped decide the right thing there. I hate to harp on the referees, but it's such a clear cut decision. Like we we've we've sat here before and we've said that we've said that the way they're interpreting the the handball rule is weird and all that stuff. But this one is 
absolute clear as day. You look at it, that's a handball. There's no doubt about it. It's not one of those ones where you go, it would have been harsh. You can tell from Roger's reaction. He's the kid who got his hand caught in the cookie jar. So it just feels really weird that they haven't done it. And And I just think to myself, what's the point of having this technology if we're going to continually have referees that make a mistake and high profile mistakes like this. And I know we, I know you're trying not to harp on referees because throughout the games, they get a million, they get a million decisions, right. And it's just the one they get wrong that changes it. But it's a very pressure position. It's like goalkeepers. If you make a mistake in goal, the reason everyone talks about it is because it relates in a goal. If you make a big mistake like this, a potentially match changing mistake, like this could, Awarding City both the City got two points out of this, assuming that assuming that Everton keep score the pen and that they keep it in, that's potentially two points drop for City, two point a point game for Everton. That could have massive ramifications at the top and the bottom half of the table. This can't keep happening. And it does feel like even with VAR, we're still saying that there's too many issues with refereeing in the league. And I don't know what to do about it, but other than the fact that we need better refs, I think. Yeah, I've always been on the side of the refs as much as you can, but you just, I don't know anyone that's looked at that and thought that's not a ramble. Apart from whoever the VAR was, was Chris Kavanagh, did you say? Yeah. It's the the angle, they show the angle that he saw of it and he was sort of behind Rodri's body. So that fine, he doesn't see it, whatever. And then that's when VAR's supposed to be. Help him. Yes, exactly. That's what it's there for. Exactly. So I don't. If you, yeah, if you see the angle that he sees of it, you can understand sort of why he doesn't see it live. And then, yeah, just the the ref, uh, yeah, in the VAR room, it literally one viewing of that. But they uh, on the broadcast, um, they show because you see what they see, don't you? In the um, yeah, yeah, in the bar room, and they show another angle after he's looked at it, which clearly shows the most clear one that it was a handball, but he didn't look at it before he gave the decision is how they painted it on the broadcast. So I'm like, they have all these angles. How are they not seeing them all? But why don't you just look at them all? Having said that, you could already see it was a handball from the ones that we were looking at. So I don't, you keep talking about this clear and obvious. I mean, if that's not clear and obvious, I have no idea what what constitutes that. We've seen them nitpick before, but that is, I mean, come on. It's as clear and obvious as it gets. They're like clear clear and obvious, but my thing is, it's there to correct mistakes. If you think a mistake's been made, you tell the referee to go look at it. Because, I mean, I I just, for the life of me, I can't understand why he's not told to go over there straight away. And, like, you, you you want to empower the referee on the pitch to make the decisions and that is what VAR is all about it's about giving them the second look when they need it so I'm not saying that VAR should immediately say penalty don't penalty straight away the referee should have to go and look at it but he should go and look at it make that decision and he should see it and he should then go that's it if he goes over there and he says he looks at all the angles like we've seen he says it's not handball then okay he's made that decision but also he needs to he's not fit to do his job because it was clear as day there's no interpretation with this one can we not get refs to come out and explain? Can can Chris Cavanagh not like try and explain? Tell me what how that you think that's not a handball? Yeah, I'd like to see it. Like a report of yeah, but they've used VAR and well, why? Because the argument's gonna the argument from the referee is gonna be that he puts them in the firing line and they get more pressure on them. But we all know these referees' names. Are you gonna tell me that back in the day when everyone was accusing Howard Webb of being a Man United stooge, it wasn't putting pressure on him in some aspect. It hasn't at affected least, him at all. It's gonna happen. Let him explain his side. Yeah, at least if he came out and said, Here's why I did it, you can yeah. at least accept it a little bit. But at the moment, I have no reason why that's not a handball. I agree with you, what you're saying, Will, about empowering the rest. But with something like that that's so obvious, I actually don't think he needs to go and look at that. It should just be told with that that that's a penalty when it's that obvious. I, I get what you I get what you're saying, but ultimately in a football match, the only way it works is if the referee on the pitch. Yeah, no, you. I do. That, that's the reason why he has to look at his watch for for like when the goal decision system's gone because it, it it's him who makes the decision if you just tell him to go look at it it doesn't take massive amount of time at the game and also you know what i'd rather we get it right like i sat there on i sat there in the ground for about two two three minutes 
while they were de- deliberating over Joel Matip's disallowed goal. And at the end of the game... I'm I sure you'd have th- rather got that right. <laughs> I'm glad they got that right. And the same about Lukaku's, Lukaku's one. And at the end of the game, when they when you they were offside and it was a binary decision, you knew they got it right. You, you've got no complaints. You've got no complaints. Your complaints is with the player. Like, oh, why didn't he stay onside? Why didn't he stay onside? Oh, that's unlucky. And that's fine. And everyone is happy. Everyone is happy with that two to three minute wait and if they're not what's the alternative is that you get you get yeah, an entire wrong. Yeah. yeah you get an entire news cycle on the monday morning which is they have a ref watch segment on sky sports how about we get rid of a ref watch segment and we just get some competent reps because it wasn't the only one of the weekend like i can't for the life of me understand how a referee has seen the nabby cater challenge on chalibur that left the bloke needing six stitches and thought that's not even a booking let alone a, a red card, which I think it should have been. Oh, I thought that was a red card. Again, I don't like. I have no idea how that's not like violent enough to to deem it a red card. I... Yeah, but I was so I was so I was in Wembley and I texted the group chat saying because you you'd said you thought it was a red card and from where I was sat miles away, it looked like a fifty-fifty <laughs> challenge. And the referee wasn't super close. Well, he was actually. He was right in front of him. But tell him to go and have another look at it if you've uh, yeah. that situation. Yeah, yeah. Because just tell that... him to go have another look at it. What's the harm in having another look? If he looks and he still decides it's not worthy of anything, he's made the decision on the pitch and you live with it. But well, that, that's the one of the worst things with this uh, with this Rodri handball. Like you lose nothing by getting the ref to go and look at it. What thirty seconds or a minute maybe? So that means that. Kavanaugh was so convinced that this was not a handball that he doesn't even he doesn't even want him to go and look at it. I, I, Maybe the actual ref was just knackered and he couldn't make it to the screen. Well, I mean, <laughs> honestly, but it's uh, I've got I've got nothing. But I mean, it it didn't. Ru- I mean, neither ruined the quality. Of the, neither decision has ruined the quality of the game. But it has ruined the result in some aspect of both of these things. I mean, we could have had a title race and a relegation battle and a trophy decided by bad refereeing decisions. And that's where people get frustrated with football. That's where people get annoyed with football. And that's where people fall out of love with football. And that's what you need to, if you're a sporting body, get this shit sorted out. Because you can't market yourself as the best league in the world when your refs make blunders as high profile as this yep yeah okay but city a bit toothless again yeah they really were they, they really weren't very good again uh, i mean if a defense with michael Keane and i don't know who uh, i can't remember who was playing if it was yerry mina i like him about as much um if they could keep you quiet uh, yeah. But this is this is two games in a row now, isn't it, where they really haven't convinced going forward. Yep. Um, and as you say, I mean, that's Look at him. He's two so... points. Is I mean, it could be huge at the end of the season. You're so close to the talking point. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to call in Mike Resin here and I'm going to ask him a question. <laughs> Mike, is City's toothless attack perhaps <laughs> evidence that they should have bought a striker in the summer? <laughs> well, the striker they should have bought was on show at the Etihad last weekend, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Every oh, time. It's too good. Every time. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they should have, shouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, the, the back four, John Joe Kenny, Mason Holgate, Michael Keane, and like a 45-year-old Seamus Coleman. I mean... I'd back myself to get one against those four. I'd back oh, you as well. To get I one would back you too. Goodness gracious! I mean, long thinking, long term. Obviously, the ti- the title race is still is still on. Um, if City are going to start to splutter now, it's not a good time to lose a bit of your. I mean, it's all well and good scoring a hundred goals before April, but you can only pick up a certain amount of points before April if you know what I mean. So that's a good point. They they will have to start playing better than this. Definitely. Uh, and they probably will because it's the derby next weekend. So, 
I can't wait for that. Oh, I'm gonna invite Henry Hodgson up. I'm gonna invite Henry Hodgson up for the Monday afterwards and ensure a United win. I'm actually, I actually might not be there. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, either of you two watch the cup final? Yes. yes. Good game. Really good game. Oh, here we go. Cliche time. It's the best nil-nil I've seen. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> is that because is that because there were what like five disallowed goals, four disallowed goals, four disallowed goals, some fantastic saves by the keeper. Mm. Two, mm. two good teams on show. Uh, unlike unlike the FA Cup final, a lot more of the fans of the actual clubs, which was yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I assume you can speak to this a bit more, Will, but I'm yeah. telling you, it sounded like a really good atmosphere. It was, it was, and I'll tell you why, because uh, FA Cup finals, FA Cup finals, you always get the sense that there's not that many of you, and there's a lot of the corporates around, there's like, but you got a sense as soon as you were walking up to the ground that um, it was going to be full of fans, or a load of Scousers, loads of Chelsea fans, and what I would say was, it was a good atmosphere beforehand, pretty, it, it felt, because I, uh, there's a hatred between these two teams, and it felt, and I thought to myself, thought to myself, given the politically charged nature of it, I thought, can everyone just behave themselves beforehand? And to their credit, everyone seemed to behave themselves, um, and it was a, it was a nice occasion. When you got in there, it was probably helped by the fact it was a good game. But no, you were right, Mike. It was, it felt 50-50 in terms of. Loud Liverpool fans, loud Chelsea fans, just having a good game with two good teams on show. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think a draw is probably a fair enough result. Chelsea probably had the better chances. Liverpool maybe had a touch Chelsea more. Chelsea certainly had the better chances. In between, but yeah. I mean, some of the saves were outrageous. That's, that second save from Mendy. The some Mendy the double save is, is unbelievable. Kelleher. Um, Impressive. Made some bloody good saves. Yeah, really impressive. He looked calm throughout the whole game Did. and then obviously scored his pen. I, I do thought... like when the managers leave the cupkeeper in for the, the final two. Yeah, it's always an interesting on one, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I think there's a good chance Chelsea lose that game if Kepa's in goal to begin with. True. I don't, think I don't, no, yeah, I don't agree with that. Kepa's been really good this season. I do like rewarding the keeper that's, that's got you there. No, I, I actually agree uh, with you. I don't. But, I mean, if Kepper was my backup, I'd, I'd probably agree. Kepper's been really good this season. Because we played Emmy really Martinez good. in the final. Really uh, good this season. Yeah, we beat Kepa Chelsea us. in the cup final. Really good. Um, yeah, I thought Mendy was superb. Mm-hmm. I thought um, I, I, I agreed with you, Mike. To be honest, I thought it was a pretty even game, of which Chelsea had the better chances and should have won it. I, I was left. I was left thinking. I, I left and I was thinking. I was thinking. Well, as soon as it gets the penalties, it's fifty-fifty. And I was just sort of like, fucking hell, we should have won that before then. I don't know how Mount didn't score. I don't yeah. know how Mount didn't score. Yeah. I don't know how Pulisic didn't score. Yeah, Pulisic he put it score. straight at him. Uh, Mount's chances were way easier. Oh, they were. They were. They were. Mount's way chances. easier. I think, I think there's a risk. That the, this is always the risk with Matt, with putting a player. And I thought this when James came on too. There's a risk with putting a player who you don't think's fit straight back in, even if it's a big game. Like when when the when he was like Reese James is coming on, and I know it was for an injured Aspilicueta. I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, uh, you got you got an hour versus uh, Luis Diaz. Good luck, pal. Um, but he was okay. He didn't have the usual drive. But for Mount, from minute one, he pressed well, but he did not look sharp at all. His usual passes that he usually gets right were wayward, and he just it just didn't seem like it didn't seem like the right thing to do. And I think if Ziyech had been fit, he wouldn't have played. Um, Focusing on players who did play well, though, I thought Mendy was superb, and I thought Tiago. I thought Tiago Silva was superb. He really was. Yeah. And I thought. I was Kurt, worried for Chelsea when he went down earlier. Oh, me too. Oh, you were not alone. There was a collective gasp in that stadium. Good lord. Who was coming on? Because Christensen was hurt too, wasn't he? Yeah, it was Malangsaros, and I've ooh. never been more worried. Look, Malangsaros had a better season than I thought, but ooh, dear. That's ooh. final over. Yeah, that's final over. Um, I thought. Well, times you've said, well. Will, I've seen enough of Malangsar. Oh, I've, I've had enough of Malangsar. But and then uh, on the Liverpool side, I thought Luis Diaz was brilliant. Oh my word! He was superb, absolutely superb. And I, I thought to myself, I was watching. I'm like, Chalaba's doing okay here, 
and he's barely keep. I was like watching some of the defending. I'm like, Chalaba's doing really well, and he's barely keeping him at bay. He's just he's a real player. He is some talent, that guy. I was saying to the lad I was watching it with, where the hell do they find these people? <laughs> he is, he is, uh, he's fit straight in. He's unbelievable. Thoroughly disappointed by Salah. Yeah, he didn't offer too much. I just there's something about Salah, and I'm going to say this, and I know he scored a goal in a cup final. He scored a penalty against Tottenham. There's something about Salah in these big cup finals. He just doesn't seem to, doesn't have the juice, you know. Yeah, yeah interesting. I like it. Ross is with me on fraud watch. Good stuff. No, <laughs> I'm absolutely. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it wasn't his best game, but no. you know, King Kai played well as well. I thought, but a good game. Good I game. do like Havertz. I like Chelsea with Havertz up front, much better than like number yeah. Lukaku up top. Yeah. God, they really are offside merchants in Verda, aren't they? Good <laughs> oh my God. Well, Elijah could have just kept his flag up the whole time. I just like I like Timo Verda, and actually, I thought if Timo Verna had been in place of Mount in that first half, it would have been very interesting because there was a bit of a there was a bit well, of time. Early when they scored. Well, there's a bit. He's not famously a, a finisher, is he? No, but no, but there's a reason why. There's a reason why Chelsea have typically played better with him in. It's because you watched. You watched. There was a part of the first half where Liverpool really stepped it up for about 15 minutes in the middle, yeah. and that was because they could just sit really high. And yeah, he's going to get caught offside a few times, but one of them's going to work, and he's going to be in. Whereas when you had Mount and Pulisic, who's lost a bit of a lost the yard of pace, you're really going to struggle to to get up and at him on the counter. So I just thought it was... Would you have started Werner then? Yeah. I think, I, I think Havertz and Timo play well together. Yeah. Always have done. I do really like Havertz. Yeah, I do. He's a good player. Cracking mm. little player. Um, I suppose we should talk uh, just briefly just to say that uh, um, there's lots of other stuff going on around Chelsea and if you want to... To find out more about that, I suggest you go find a pod that's well-versed in legal law and geopolitics, uh, because I don't feel like we'd be able to do it justice. Other than to say that, of course, the thoughts of the In Around pod are with the people of Ukraine, and we support them 100%, and we are against war. What? Here's the thing, right? You know this whole stop the war? Like, stop the war. It just feels like... It feels like there should be more to say, you know? Yeah. I mean... I don't know. I think all good slogans come in threes. Hands, face, face. All good slogans. Come on. Give me, give me, a, give me a top three, top three slogans. <laughs> Stop, the <laughs> Stop the war. Stop the war. What was the other one? Uh, Bro, the four hoes. There you go. Bro, <laughs> Now there's a top three. Now the one that I was going to say is really not appropriate now, so we will just we will just move <laughs> on. Um, any other football you want to touch on before we leave? Uh, uh, Arsenal cemented top four. No, I don't care. I'm not about Arsenal again. Did Arsenal play this weekend? No, because we were supposed to play, I believe, Liverpool. Oh, lucky you. But it leaves us level on points with Man United with three games in hand. Yeah, Better I mean, a bird in the hand than a bird. Do you know who their three games in hand are against? Spurs, Liverpool and Chelsea. Well, there's at least three guarantee points there, so that would put us ahead of Man That's a good point. <laughs> Not a fan of Liverpool, is Ross Bird. Well, we we, we never beat Liverpool, so... Uh, we play we Liverpool don't, We don't often beat Chelsea either, so... Not anymore, at least. Yeah, but I think Do it was recently. the derby. Yeah, I think it was the derby. Um... Okay, exciting times. Um, I think we'll wrap up there. I think we've uh, we've exu- we've tuckered ourselves out with all our anger. So, um, if you want to follow David Harris, you can do so at Dave Harris underscore forty four. But if you're in a car, I wouldn't recommend following him. Um, if the people want to follow you, Mike, where can they follow you? Uh, at Mikey Breslin on Twitter. On Twitter, you can also find him in the comments of whenever Newcastle post anything about Joel Linton, but not in the Man United comments. You can <laughs> Ross, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Uh, it's at Ross underscore Bird fourteen on Twitter. And of course, if you want to play Ross Bird at Modern Warfare Two Xbox Live, rap Ross Birdie fourteen, and he will one v one you on Rust. 
with a USP and a tactical knife. You can follow me at Hunt 17 but please don't. Please instead follow all of us at the In and Around Pod, where you can find our latest thoughts on all the football news, which includes a few a few liked tweets in there, where you can tell which one of us has been on the account. Uh, which is it was quite funny the other day. I received a screenshot and someone was lucky. You can tell you've been liking tweets in and around the account. And it was about four tweets in a row just shitting on Spurs. And I was like, that could be any of us. That could be that any could have been any of us. That really could. <laughs> it really could. Um, Apart from Dave, he's never on there, but it could have been no, any of us. To be honest, if Ross doesn't have the login, so <laughs> it could only oh, yeah. really be me or you. We'll um, give that to you, Ross. We will do. Uh, I want to see some more anti-Spurs stuff on there. The, the password. Oh, I can make that happen. Password, I believe, is Khaled Boularoos99. So there you are. Um, if you do have any questions for us, it's uh, in and around pod at gmail.com or on the aforementioned socials. But until next time, Mike. Sayonara. There we go. What a sign off that is. It's become an iconic. You don't even castle anymore. <laughs>